T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Aggressive to start a Friday. I like, you know, it's that, it's that kind of weather, right? You need a little uh, Metallica to <laughs> get you into a dreary Friday. You got to kick off a Friday, right? I guess so. Um, you know, I before we really get started in our show, and Dr. Tom Russo is going to join us in a moment, uh, we were talking over the past couple of days a lot about uh, the vaccine. And uh, when we spoke with Mark Polenkars about his plan to have a fully vaccinated stadium. And I, I kind of shared with him and uh, talked about this a lot on Wednesday, especially my worry was creating kind of this, you know, more of an us versus them environment, turning the vaccine into a political issue like masks somehow became. And, you know, we're, we're, this vilification of anyone who is at all hesitant of the vaccine that I really think we need to stop if you really want this effort to work. And what do you know? Here we go on Twitter. Uh, Assemblywoman Monica Wallace tweeting this morning, uh, the same folks crying open things up are the ones who refuse to get vaccinated. All right. You know, literally exactly what I've been talking about over the past right. couple of days. Can I see some numbers behind that? Um, I don't know if that's entirely true, but way to uh, turn this into a political issue so early into the process. And that's... I can also prove her tweet wrong as someone right. who... Is vaccinated and wants to reopen things. I I don't fit the uh, what she's talking about. You know, about. if we could calm down, and we'll be uh, talking more <laughs> about the rising voices a little bit later on. But first, we want to bring in our expert uh, guest, chief of infectious disease at the Jacobs School of Medicine. He is Dr. Tom Russo, joining us live. Uh, thanks for being with us. Yeah, great to be with you guys. New team, huh? Yeah, we're, uh, you know, a, a little bit uh, uh, more time, I guess, for some of the really complicated answers, which is always seems to be what we get. Uh, you know, um, we have so much information coming out yesterday that I think is making people's heads spin. I guess we'll start with, uh, before we get to uh, what the Pfizer CEO said, I, I want to start with one of the headlines that depending on where you get your news you might be reading a very different headline this morning because it can be framed as one of two things either thousands of vaccinated people have caught coronavirus even after vaccination or vaccine that was 95 percent effective is even more uh, effective than 95 percent based on what we've seen in the real world um, what do you make of these numbers uh, from the cdc kind of showing the impact of the vaccine on infections and, uh, you know, some of the numbers of people who have been infected post-vaccine? I thought those were very positive numbers. We know the vaccine's not perfect. It's 
efficacy is uh, 95%, 94% for the RNA vaccines, uh, Pfizer and Moderna, respectively. Um, and, and we know there's going to be some individuals that get infected, uh, but these individuals are infected, uh, a big chunk of them were asymptomatic, um, and, and the others, for the most part, had a very mild disease. Not surprisingly, there's a few people uh, that had more significant disease, and, you know, that's to be expected if you're older and more frail, uh, which are a lot of our vaccinated individuals uh, at this point. And, and so uh, I think it shows that the, the vaccine is working. We just have to keep in mind it's not quite perfect, and we're going to see some of this. Dr. Russo, speaking of that, and I know we've talked about what this looked like in clinical trials, uh, but we know the efficacy after your second dose with the Moderna and Pfizer. What's it look like in real-world situations, uh, your, the efficacy of the first dose after two weeks? So the real-world data is really congruent with the trial data, and this is mostly coming out of Israel, which is a, a solid month ahead of us uh, in this process which really corroborates uh, the trial data where efficacy is in the, in the low 90s. And there's been a number of sort of smaller studies of uh, healthcare workers who were part of the first wave of getting vaccinated in various parts of the world, including the U.S., that likewise show a similar very high level of efficacy. And I think, you know, while we're talking about efficacy, a couple of other very positive points. It also looks like the vaccine is going to significantly decrease transmission. So individuals becoming infectious and transmitting to others. Not quite at the same level of efficacy, but really close. Just a few percentage points behind. And there's data from Israel that shows that the adults, which were first to get vaccinated, are decreasing the cases in unvaccinated children. So, you know, all of that, I think, is very positive news. And it really supports that vaccination is our ticket out of this mess. And unfortunately, here in western New York and these cooler uh, northern states, we're still mired in uh, a number of cases uh, in our community. Uh, So we're not out of it yet, but uh, uh, keep getting those shots in arms and and that's going to be the path out of it, out of this. You know, I want to follow up. You, you uh, mentioned Israel, and I know there was a study about the South African variant in Israel uh, breaking through the Pfizer test. I, I read up. I read on that research, and I just want your thoughts on it. It was. It looked at 400 people, and of those 400, not all of them were even two weeks after their first dose. What, what did you think about that breakthrough uh, report for the South African variant through the Pfizer vaccine? So the South African variant is, Joe, is the one that people are most concerned that our vaccines won't work the best on. And we've got a couple of data sets. First, Pfizer, interestingly, and we'll get to that with the Pfizer uh, CEO's announcement, released a data set that it was highly effective. It was like, you know, 100% or something like that. Uh, Extraordinarily effective in terms of the real world setting. Then what Israel did is they tracked people that were vaccinated, similar to the data that we just talked about here from the U.S., that had breakthrough infections. And there was a a disproportionate increase of those breakthroughs with the South African variant compared to that proportion circulating the population. So uh, that's perhaps confusing. Let's say that the South African African variant in, for the sake of our discussion, is 0.1% of the strains circulating in Israel. Of the breakthrough infections, I think it would have been equivalent about 0.4 or something of those uh, broke through. So it sort of had a a disproportionate increase. However, they didn't release any data about 
you know, the how severe the disease were, were those people hospitalized and things like that. And, and overall, we know that the vaccines may be slightly less efficacious for mild symptomatic disease with that variant. So all in all, I think both the real-life data and the laboratory data in terms of syrup from vaccinated people is really supporting that the vaccines are going to get it done against the variants that are circulating right now in this world. Um, I think that variant uh, discussion is probably uh, part of the discussion of why we heard from the CEO of Pfizer yesterday saying that uh, you could need a COVID booster shot um, for if you got the Pfizer vaccine uh, within 12 months. And, you know, I this is one of the things, even more so than when the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was put on pause and everyone kind of says, well, oh, is that going to increase the hesitancy of taking the vaccine? Uh, this is the thing that, you know, I said, wow, that's, you know, not great if you're trying to convince people to take the vaccine. We, we know the vaccines work, and yet you're coming out here and saying already, well, take another shot. You're going to need another one uh, that you're going to have to get. What do you think of the comment that was made yesterday? Um, what could have uh, spurred that? And I, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll just start there. What could have spurred that? <laughs> Brian, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I'm going to allow you to say out loud what spurred that, because I think we perhaps could all speculate what spurred that. But let me just lay this out, because I think the reality is the truth is we don't really know, A, if we're going to need a booster, and B, if we're going to need a booster, when. And so let me just break this down. There's two reasons that one needs a booster shot. It's if when you were vaccinated, the vaccine is still very effective against whatever that vaccine is directed against, but over time that level of immunity wanes. An example that everyone I think could appreciate that's listening are, is tetanus. Every, you know, decade or so, you know, we need a tetanus booster because that immunity has the ability to wane over time. The other reason you might need a booster is if a strain evolves and is selected out that is resistant to the vaccine. The vaccine is no longer effective or optimally effective. And the example that everyone could appreciate with that is influenza. And that's why we get our annual influenza vaccine. At this point, no one knows how long this generation 1.0 of uh, uh, COVID vaccines is going to last. In fact, Moderna just released data that's looking great at six months. And we know vac vaccination immunity is almost certainly stronger than that afforded by natural immunity, which is looking good, you know, even longer than that at this point, uh, albeit imperfect. So no one knows the answer in terms of assuming that there's no variants that evolve that dilute it, how long it's going to last. People are nervous because respiratory viruses, immunity seems to wane more quickly against other pathogens, but we just don't know. And then the back half of that is, is there a variant that's evolved that could avoid the protection afforded by these vaccines? And again, the answer is no, not at this time. You know, maybe there's some variants that there'll be a few more mild symptomatic infections. And in fact, the Pfizer data from their vaccine shows it looks great against the most worrisome variant. So, uh, you know, I'll let you guys speculate why a CEO of uh, a major corporation wanted to speculated that you need more of my product. <laughs> yeah, I that trust me, that is one of the top thoughts. But, you know, going back to what you just said, um, the idea 
is with a booster shot that this vaccine only lasts so long. You know, if you need a booster shot within 12 months, that's because the vaccine loses its efficacy over that period of time. But right now, there's, as far as I have read, there's nothing that points to the vaccine that you get, any of them out there, uh, losing its effectiveness over any period of time so far in the time that we've had it, right? Spot on. Absolutely correct. So uh, this statement uh, came a little bit out of right field, um, you know. And if you listen very carefully to his words, and trust me, I did, he sort of acknowledged all of those things. Well, we don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know if variants are going to escape this and then drop the bomb. But, you know, I think you might need a shot in the fall. So it really didn't make any sense to me at all. And I agree with you. The timing was less than excellent. Uh, And I think it's important to get the message out there to our listeners and people in general that, uh, like most things in in this pandemic, there is a lot we don't know. And we just don't know how much mileage we're going to get out of our vaccines at this point. And we don't know if a variant's going to evolve that's going to, you know, elude its immunity to the degree, you know, causing serious disease that we need to booster on that account. I think what's good, though, is the companies are getting prepared, though. So they're developing formulations and testing them. So just in case we need them, we'll be ahead of the game, right? And, and so I'm all in favor of that part. But announcing, you know, timing of, you know, we will need one and when, I think, uh, uh, really uh, was, was really not optimal. You know, Dr. Russo, I, I've been looking at the similarities of the vaccines, right? You have the Moderna, the Pfizer, and then you have the Johnson Johnson and the AstraZeneca. Uh, because Pfizer and Moderna's vaccines are so similar, is there the possibility that, say, the Pfizer one in 12 months, yes, you do need that booster, but the Moderna, even though it's similar, as you mentioned, their studies show that after six months, it's still 90% effective. Could it be that the Pfizer one's just a weaker one or it wanes? I mean, it, I know they're very similar, but is there a difference within these vaccines that makes one effective longer? Yeah, I, we just don't know the answer to that, Joe. Um, the, the dosage is a slightly different. It's uh, 100 micrograms for the Moderna, 30 micrograms for the Pfizer, and some people have speculated that's why the Moderna might be a whiff more reactogenic. But the immune response that we get from it, at least measured by anybody, seems to be very similar. So I think they're going to likely go hand-in-hand, hand, both in terms of efficacy, safety, and duration and durability um, and, uh, you know, activity against these various variants. So I think they're very, very similar. Um, and, and so it's possible that there, you know, may be some differences that we identify over time. Um, but I think so goes the Pfizer, will go the Moderna for the most part. I'm uh, not sure if you heard yesterday. And if the answer is no, good for you. Um, Dr. Fauci and uh, Jim Jordan, Dr. Fauci speaking in front of that congressional panel yesterday uh kind of a, a shouting match ensuing did you hear any of that <laughs> no no good I didn't, uh, <laughs> you're I you're saying that's occasionally the order of the day and uh <laughs> with our uh, government leaders <laughs> your your iq remains intact then so that's a it's a good thing but uh, it's um it kind of goes back to something that i asked you about uh it was either earlier this week or last week and that was i sometimes feel unfair in asking you a lot of questions especially when it comes to you know, personal actions and public health measures, just because it's, you know, it's your role to tell us what the risks are and how to best mitigate them. And especially when it comes to a virus like this. 
and it's the role of, you know, uh, whether it's a politician or people or, or somebody else to take all that information and, you know, make that risk-reward calculus and decide how much risk is worth taking to keep, uh, you know, something up and running versus a, a, another thing. And But it seems like all the time we're kind of channeling this, uh, you know, everything toward the doctors who are not actually making the decisions. You're just giving your best advice. And, and I'm wondering if you feel that at all. Um, certainly we see it asked on that national level. But I'm wondering if you kind of feel that uh, pressure or – um, you know, you, that, or that you're being asked to answer for something that you don't really have a hand in? I really haven't felt that. Um, you know, we, Buffalo is a great place to live. We have a great sense of community here, and uh, I suspect the things that I say are mostly heard within Buffalo per se, though uh, some of the other media articles that have been involved with have been a bit far-ranging. Far and, uh, you know, occasionally I've gotten, like I'm sure you guys get, a love letter from someone that didn't completely agree with what I said, like masks are a good thing, for example. Uh, um, but all in all, uh, I haven't felt that. And in fact, that's really one of the, the real positive things of this really difficult year that we've had, is I've felt that for the most part, the community, the media, the educators, uh, the academics have all been rowing in the same direction to try to do the best we can in terms of getting, keeping people safe and getting on the other side of this. Um, and maybe that's why we love Buffalo so much and there's a great sense of community here. You know, we haven't been perfect, right? And uh, there's no question about that. And, you know, uh, the bump in cases recently has been a bit disappointing to me since we know how to get it done here. But, no, I have not felt the same way, but I'm sure if I got up in front of Congress and someone had an agenda that went in the opposite direction of what I said, uh, I would be victimized in a similar fashion. I'm not quite sure what the exchange was, but I can imagine. All right. Um, hey, we appreciate the time as always, and thanks for helping us sort through some of these things with the uh, new headlines this morning. That's Dr. Tom Russo, Chief of Infectious Disease at the Jacobs School of Medicine, always generous with his time with us here on WBEN. And uh, he said a lot of things there that we're going to unpack, uh, I'm sure, throughout the rest of the show. But, Joe, uh, you know, one of the things, if we go back to um, this idea of a booster shot, I mean, he basically said what we were all thinking, you hear this coming from the CEO of the company that stands to profit from the need for a booster shot. It's not, one, the right time for this message because you don't know, so why say it out loud? And as all signs right now point to you not needing right. any sort of booster and to come from that person instead of, you know, say, Dr. Russo or somebody else who you might trust with that information I, I for just, for that right announcement message. to to be released two days after Moderna says six months after your second dose, you are still 90% effective against um, COVID-19. For Pfizer, two days later, as you mentioned, the CEO to say that after doctors have said, no, this looks like it should be good for at least a year, if not more. The Moderna study, I, I just think it was ill-timed. And if Dr. Russo is suggesting that it's for reasons that might not be the efficacy during COVID nineteen. I think we, uh, I think we got our answer. I mean, it from should them. be pointed out um, too that 
I mean, it's not like the company released a statement saying this. He was asked about it during an interview, but that would also go to the point that, you know, I, we're all curious. We all uh, have this insatiable need for information 24-7, but to be responsible and, you know, maybe even hold back a little bit on doing uh, all these live interviews on TV where you might say something like this that completely gives people kind of the wrong idea about the vaccine right now. Because as we just heard right there, everything we know about the vaccine would point that it's not losing any effectiveness. It's maybe more effective in the general public than it was in the clinical trials, although, you know, the numbers are very similar, uh, even despite what you heard about uh, people getting infected after receiving the vaccine. And it just casts a little more doubt or even if it's not doubt, this idea that you're going to have to do even more in the future as opposed to what you've already done in getting the vaccine, that is just unnecessary right now. Yeah, and, and I mean, how difficult is it to just say we don't know? I mean, even those who were involved in those clinical trials in those early tests, um, they haven't hit a year yet. You know what I mean? So it, you don't know. I, I don't know what is so difficult about saying you don't know, and, and then you put this fear after the Johnson & Johnson news this week. Now you've got people thinking, oh, my gosh, so we all get vaccinated. What if people in 12, in 12 months don't want to get vaccinated again? Are we back here? It, it's just such an unnecessary comment when the easy answer would have been, you know what, right now it looks good, but we don't know that answer. Or or we don't know, or but we're preparing just in exactly. case. I mean, that, exactly. Just, uh, that would have been the right answer. Well, hey, we're going to talk more about this, and then we also asked Dr. Russo about some of the exchange if you missed any of that we will uh, knock a few iq points off of you uh, this morning and uh, bring you uh, dr fauci and jim jordan from yesterday t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back, Beamaz and Beamer, on a Friday. Good to be with you. Uh, We talked to Dr. Tom Russo in the first segment. You missed that. It'll be available on the Odyssey app. Just click that Beamaz and Beamer channel. Yeah. Um, A few good takeaways from that because there's, like there is every day, there's headlines about the vaccine going around. And 
I feel like today maybe they're a little bit more alarming than they usually are, but it's just you you talk to somebody, you you look a little past it, and you realize there isn't too much to really be alarmed about. I on the uh, booster shot idea, you know, we talked to Dr. Russo. The talk of that is just so premature right. right now. There's nothing with the vaccines currently that would signify the need for a booster shot. If, if there's a good thing, at least they're going to be ready if it is needed. But as of right now, there's no way that that would be necessary. And coming from the CEO of Pfizer, maybe it's not the best message to be sending either. Um, if, because the first thought that goes through my mind is like, yeah, I'm sure you want yeah. to get a booster shot every week. It would be nice if, if Pfizer has to make that announcement. Okay, say every year or every other year you have to get the vaccine. Wouldn't it be nice to send the doctor like one of Pfizer's many doctors out there to say, you know, after yeah. studies, it looks like you're going to need that booster two years after. Yeah. Okay. But clean up the comments a little bit after yeah. you make them. That was in an interview <laughs> on CNBC. And then the other about uh, getting infected, even if you've already had the vaccine, extremely rare, expected to happen. And it was actually the numbers that you see right now would actually boost the efficacy of the vaccine above the 95% that we thought it was when it uh, was first rolled out. And Dr. Russo was quick to point out, of the people that get sick after the vaccine, they have mild cases. They're all mild cases of COVID. And that's the big point. The whole point of the vaccine is to cut down against severe COVID and then uh, not getting it at all is just another, and and not being able to spread it either is just another positive to all that. And then we asked him if he uh, heard this and uh, he said he didn't. And I said, good for him. Because uh, yesterday, if you missed this, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, representative from Florida and Dr. Anthony Fauci were, I, I guess, what would you call this? Um, and well, in, in my opinion, and this is I, I like Jim Jordan, but I don't understand why he is making these points to Dr. Anthony Fauci, who literally has no control well, in the federal government. Let's, let's listen to it. I, I, I was going to say I'm not going to call it a conversation. I don't yes, even I, think you call it a line of questioning. I believe I called it a discussion. But yeah, <laughs> in Joe's world, this is a discussion. I don't know if uh, you discussed anything with me like this, but uh, here it is. My message uh, Congressman Jordan, is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we possibly can to get the level of infection in this country low that it is no longer a threat. That is when. And I believe when that happens, you will see. What when. determines when? I'm sorry. What? What measure? What, I mean, are, are we just going to continue this forever? Or when does, when does, no. when do we get to the point? What measure, what standard, what objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. Their liberties have. I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. Well, that's I look obvious. At this as a public health thing. But, but, uh, the, I disagree with you, you on that. You think the Constitution Complete. is suspended during, a, during a, a, a virus, during a pandemic? It's certainly not. This will end for sure when we get the level of infection very low. It is now at such a high level, there's a threat again of major surge. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, over the last year, Americans' First Amendment rights have been completely attacked. Your right to go to church, your right to assemble, your right to petition.
All right. Um, it goes on. Do we need to uh, continue with a little bit more? I think we got the I, I think we got the point of what happened in Ohio, not Florida, by the way, uh, when I said uh, Jim Jordan there doing the I, – I don't know if I heard a question in there, uh, the questioning of uh, Dr. Fauci. And it brings up a couple things. And somebody just texted in. By the way, you can give us a call or give us a text, 803-0930 this morning. Uh, somebody texted this in. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of break down this text uh, based on how it came in. So I'm not a fan of Jim Jordan, but I think the exchange with Fauci illustrated the frustration a lot of the public feels about mixed messages and vague benchmarks for reopening. And, okay, we'll stop at that part. I think that part a lot of people agree with. It's a there fair is comment. pent-up frustration. And if anything that the congressman was trying to illustrate there is maybe to mimic the frustration of the people, right? And that would kind of get him the points that he's looking to get. And I share that frustration. A lot of people do. There's uh, people all over the country have that very same frustration on especially the mixed messaging, but uh, on this whole reopening process. Then the other part of the uh, text, um, the doctor has influenced our government's decisions on which freedom should be taken away from people. So he should be held accountable, asked for specifics. He's not elected his policies, though, have been made policies have been made based on his opinion that affect us all. And that's the point where I start to look at this exchange and I, it just I think we're all more stupid uh, because of, you know, what happened yesterday uh, over in Washington. How many days can you say that, by the way? I, but I, I think especially listening to that thing and how uh, wide it, it went, because and it's something we talked with Dr. Russo about in the last half hour. At the end of the day, and this is how it works, at the end of the day, it's the role of these doctors to tell us the risks and how to best mitigate them, and that is what they've been doing. It's the role of people and politicians, I mean, kind of in lieu of people who are entrusted with this, to make that risk-reward calculus, decide how much risk is worth taking uh, to keep everyone functioning on some level. And that is the thing that I think everybody is kind of missing here. He's attacking somebody who's not making any of the policies that he's complaining about. In that exchange, one of those people have the ability to make a law, and it's not Dr. Fauci. It's the guy yelling at him for what's in place. Yeah, I think Jim Jordan, again, I I share his frustration, but I think that uh, back and forth would have been better to the leader of the Congress right now, which is um, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, maybe to the majority party in Washington, to the president of the United States. Or nobody in Washington, members, because most of these rules that he's complaining about are state rules. Are state rules, right. and they're set by governors or, uh, in rare cases now, it seems, legislators in states, right. and have nothing to do with that. The thing that has uh, that he should be complaining about is the way that we've taken these recommendations and how we've chosen to implement them. And it's inconsistent across the entire country. I mean, it's not Dr. Anthony Fauci's decision to keep kids distance six feet inside of schools in the city of Buffalo. 
which is what's going to happen. It's not his decision. Not even Governor Cuomo. That middle schoolers have right. not been in school in the city of Buffalo in over a year and are still going to wait another month to go two days a week. That's not, Actually, the doctors are recommending the opposite thing, that yep. we try to get them into a school more frequently at a tighter distance and five days a week like uh, normal. Jim Jordan's uh, frustration, Jim Jordan's back and forth would have been more suited, as Brian said, for the governor or the legislator of a state. And the question really should have been, okay, Dr. Anthony Fauci makes his recommendations, and we listen to Dr. Fauci's recommendations, but so do the people, the citizens of the United States. And when, at what point, do we look at you and say, Brian Mazarowski, you know the risks, okay? You know what this virus can do. We are going to open everything up, and we are going to let you, as an American citizen, make that decision. That, well, that question, And that question is not for Anthony Fauci. That's for someone that can actually control that. And as Brian said, that is a state-by-state issue. You look at Florida, you look at Texas, they're not looking at— they're not following recommendations by Anthony Fauci by closing down. They're saying, hey, this is what the doctors say. It's your freedom to make the decision on what to do. Yeah, I don't I don't even think it's a I think if you took a more nuanced approach to it, it's not even a state decision. It's and this has been an idea that over the last year has been talked about written. I think uh, you can go back to The New York Times from April or May of 2020 and they were writing about this idea of when does the pandemic end and there's so many different people have different ideas on that there's some people who say well it ends when the virus is gone uh, the most common answer in history is that it ends when people kind of and it's not a declaration it's not a date it's not a number it's not a one politician's decision it's not you know any certain state doing uh, you know anything else it, it kind of gradually just ends when people go about their lives a, a little more normal and, and they make that risk calculation and it doesn't matter so much you know what anybody says they've kind of made up their minds and then we you know kind of uh, settle into uh, back to normalcy. And that is kind of the most popular answer throughout history, if we take a look back at how this has been, you know, really handled. So it has really less to do with uh, people out there uh, making decisions, politicians, the doctors, these people who are screaming at each other and get headlines and uh, we play them here on BEM for you and everybody... <laughs> You know, walks around, I don't know, a, a little more ill-informed because of the yelling that goes on in Washington, when in reality, it it is kind of the, the movement of the people, and we're already seeing this, you know, to be honest, it's the movement of the people in, in parts of the country. Joe, you mentioned Florida. I mean, it looks very different. You're seeing uh, people go to the airport. You're seeing people kind of get on slowly with uh, their normal life there is albeit a very controversial there is a talk about a full football stadium in the fall I mean it is kind of a gradual it's not one declaration it's right. a, a gradual movement to uh, to this and, and I do understand the frustration and that you know cathartic feeling that many people might have right when you're talking to this and why I think a lot of people, listened to that yesterday and they said yeah you know you tell them you know do this because this is this is stolen um this is the uh, a quote from peter sandman uh, and this was printed in bloomberg and he's a, a risk communication 
consultant. And this is what he said, and this kind of you know, clears up the whole thought of the problem that people have had with messaging, especially over the last six months, is that people have spent the last year complying as best they can with recommended precautions, wearing masks, staying six feet away from others, avoiding indoor events and crowds, canceling travel plans. All along, they've assumed the vaccines would replace the menu of burdensome non-pharmaceutical interventions. And now, in some cases, they're being told that after they're vaccinated, they should nonetheless keep taking most of the precautions they've been taking for a year already. That just doesn't that doesn't just feel like a betrayal. That feels like an exercise in futility. And that again, that's Peter Salmon. He's a risk communication consultant, um, and that's uh, his words printed in Bloomberg. And, and that is the frustration that people feel. And, and I think why, if you're sitting there, you're listening to that, and you're saying, "Yeah, you know," you tell them it's just kind of to vent that frustration out. But in reality, that accomplishes nothing, the uh, the yelling and screaming over in Washington. Right. It, it doesn't end the lockdowns in the certain states where lockdowns are still there. But, you know, to your point, and this, this goes back to vaccines, Brian, for what you just said. Yeah, we thought the vaccines were our key to normalcy. And you see, and I'm not going to say, but you see people who have had the vaccine, who have gotten both shots, and they're still walking around wearing masks. We're told to still social distance. That is the, the, the fr- that adds to a frustration that we have had for now over a year. I mean, a year ago, Brian, we were talking about how, well, this will be fun, the NFL draft, you know, Zoom draft, but by September, we'll be at the Bills game. You know, by, by this fall, we'll be back to normal. And now you're seeing the governor of New York, again, not Anthony Fauci. The governor of New York saying, I don't know if we can commit to full stadiums and full events by September. And again, it just adds to the frustration that we have now been seeing since March 3rd, 2020. Yeah. And, you know, it is to go. We asked Dr. Tom Russo kind of a little bit about this of do you think that you're being treated unfair? Going back to that point that it's the doctors who are making all these recommendations. They're using all the data to assess the risks, tell us how to best mitigate them. But they're increasingly being asked about, you know, mandates like you have to serve chips with a beer at a bar. (laughs) And I, you know, I kind of have this feeling that it's unfair. He doesn't think he's been, you know, asked many unfair things that are too outside of his uh, wheelhouse over the course. But I feel like the problem that we're seeing right now with Dr. Fauci that he's having on TV is he is being asked a lot of these questions and he's answering them, you know, and and then that's it goes and spreads throughout the uh, news cycle. Like maybe the CEO of Pfizer yesterday thought, right. hey, I'm just doing this one little interview and I, I'm just saying this comment, not realizing, although I think it's insane that he doesn't realize that it's going to become one of the headlines the next day. This thing that he said about booster shots uh, and, and that's the problem that we're getting in. And at the end of the day, it is the choice of the people that the voters put in power in how they take those recommendations and craft policy around them. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah. And I will say this. One thing Dr. Russo has not done that Dr. Fauci has. Dr. Russo has been the most consistent doctor that I've heard on this station and throughout the United States when it comes to what we are looking for to end the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, as some of the texters have pointed out, Dr. Fauci's 
answers have not always been consistent. And he has flip-flopped again with something as new as COVID-19. That is expected. Uh, but I do think when you're talking about a nation of frustrated people, and it, it also comes back to what you talked about yesterday with the divide in this country, I think it all adds when you hear Dr. Brings, Fauci on Monday say something different on Friday. It brings it around to the point that at the end of the day, it shouldn't necessarily matter. It, it, it does right now because of the context that a lot of people are listening to this, but it shouldn't necessarily matter what his specific answer is to that question in every right. single situation because at the end of the day, he is not the person who decides when this thing ends. That's something that uh, – uh, if you look through history, that it's kind of a gradual decision based on the public's actions and how we kind of take those risks and to do that in the future. Or maybe it is um, looking at right now, it's the decision of the people who are making these rules to change them as the public kind of pressures right. them to make those changes. That is when it ends. You're asking I guess at the end of the day, you're asking the question to the wrong person. Or maybe you're asking the wrong per question to the right person. I don't know. But it's just the vitriol that we heard there yesterday in Washington, I just think is not fair. And it does mislead the public in a way to aim it at that specific person when that is not the person who's in charge of the things you're complaining about. Not at all. Exactly. Well, Brian, it's been uh, I want do want to say one more thing about last year compared to this year. A year ago today, you were not in studio, and I am glad that in 2021, you are in studio with us. I was. I don't know. Hmm, would I say the same thing? Hmm. <laughs> That's a tough question. I don't know. I, uh, you know, I liked uh, a year ago, not today I wouldn't, but... It was nice to, like, crack open a window. I think that's the one thing people like uh, most about working at home. You know, crack open a oh, window. Yeah. You, know, smell, you don't have to deal with the office, uh, you know, air. You can get some fresh air in there. Anyways, hopefully you're enjoying <laughs> that. Uh, maybe not today, but next week it should be pretty nice. We're going to uh, the game tomorrow. I cannot wait. I get my test at 1145 and then uh, a little a, a taste of normalcy. Yeah. I've got um, – I don't need the test. No, you have the Johnson & Johnson shot. I've got, I've got my uh, fully vaccinated privileges, so I get to go to the Sabres game tomorrow and see Sidney Crosby, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about that next week. And the Sabres coming off a nice win yesterday. Hey, if you missed any of today's show, or hey, you want to catch up on the week, it's on the Odyssey app. It's on WBEN.com. Just subscribe to BMAZ and Beamer. We will be back here on Monday, and yes, I do have to throw a plug in. Don't forget, Hardline – Sunday morning, 10 to 12, we'll be focusing in on Mark Polengarz's plan to have full stadium and a full arena. We will play back the interview uh, Brian and Susan had with the county executive, and then we'll be talking to some local leaders. So I hope you join me Sunday morning at 10. We'll see you then on WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 